What's up, Faith Church? We having a good day so far? How many football fans are in the house? Curious. Anybody? Does anybody, like, how many, like, college football fans? Like, we got NFL, college. We know that's where it's at, right? Everybody knows college football is better than NFL football. So I've been taking a poll today. Um, this is an unbiased poll. I'm not voting, okay? Um, so for two services now, we've taken a poll. I'm going to give you guys the last service here in Florence of the day to participate so that we can figure out, like, what school, what fan base is most represented here at Faith Church. Um, so I'm going to let you guys vote first, and then I'll tell you what the results of the day ended up being, all right? So first and foremost, I'm going to let some Auburn Tigers make some noise. If that's your team, let me hear you. All right, I'm going to be honest. You needed more than that to win. You needed a little bit more than that, okay? Um, how many um, Alabama Crimson Tide fans we have in the house? Okay, okay. Okay, La last vote. Um, if you are a fan of any other team in the country that is not Alabama or Auburn, make some noise now. Let me hear you. Okay, so this is not me. You can't throw stones at me. Pastor Ryan's been here all day. I, I think it's safe to say number one vote on the day was Alabama, right? That, that's not me. I didn't vote. Number one was Alabama. Number two, surprisingly, was every other team in the country. I didn't, I promise. This, that's the way it's happened. And listen, I tried to get all the Auburn fans from second service to stay over for third service because I wanted like more. But that's how it's ended up, and Auburn did end up number three. But that's okay, and we have fun with that, and we laugh. Because as much as we love college football, there's something about rivalry college football that when it gets close, we get to have fun with it. We get to trash talk, mess with our friends, right? Like all, I don't know how it happened. Like I've got like four best friends in the world, and three of them are Auburn fans, and I don't know how that happened. Um, but they... I'm going to be honest, I'm not really looking forward to this year's game. If, if I, can I just confess that in church as an Alabama fan? We got an uphill battle to climb, boys and girls, because um, Auburn looked pretty good. I don't know about yesterday, but it's, um, it's going to be fun this coming week. Who knows who Alabama's got this coming weekend? <sighs> Please, Lord Jesus. Man, I ain't looking forward to that one either. I'm just, it's college football. I love it. It's so great. And it's fun to get into rivalries and talk about it when it's a game. But how many of you know that we also have some opponents and some rivals in our life, right? Some opponents that want to come against your marriage, that want to come against your family and your finances, that want to come against you spiritually. And it's all fun and games when it's a game, but we all face an opponent and an enemy in life that it's not a game. And you have an enemy that wants to destroy you in the life that God promised you that you could have. And so for the next four weeks, starting next Sunday, we're going to go into a series. You saw the video, Rivals. As you leave today, I want to challenge you guys. These cards are at every single exit in this building. On your way out, grab some of these. Invite your friends and family. Get them here. You can wear your jerseys. You can enjoy it all you want to because we know that when they come here, they're going to hear about a Jesus, about a God that wants to give them the tools that they can win, not some rivalry game in life that people are going to forget, right, but a rivalry in the spirit, a rivalry that's going to last 
for eternity. We're going to dive into that next week. Rivals, get your friends and family here. It's going to be awesome. But today we are finishing up. We're in week five of a series that we started called Sola Food. So if you're new here and you don't know me, my name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here. And as we get started, I want everybody here in Florence to help me welcome everybody in Lawrenceburg, everybody watching through that camera right now. Would you put your hands together for them? We love you guys. Welcome everyone to Faith Church today. So for the last few weeks, we've um, been tackling this idea, sort of getting back to the basics of our faith. Um, If you're here and you're a Christian and you are not Catholic, um, you can trace kind of the roots of your faith, the roots of your belief system back to what is known as Protestantism, right? You're a Protestant Christian. You've got Catholics and Protestants. Protestants can trace their heritage all the way back Um, to sort of an event that took place in 1517, actually on October the 31st. So some of y'all just celebrated Halloween. Um, It was actually Reformation Day as well, because back in 1517, this guy named Martin Luther went and he publicly protested some of the teachings and practices that he was observing in the Roman Catholic Church of his day that he didn't think, and several other guys who became known as this group of men called the Reformers, that they did not believe was lining up with the way Scripture said you should live your life. And so Martin Luther nailed these 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany, and it sort of started this, um, this revolution in the church world. It got way more out of hand than Martin Luther thought was going to happen. And these 95 theses, these, all these big ideas of reform, over the years have sort of been summarized in these five teachings. They're called the five sola of the Reformation. Now, the word sola is the Latin word for alone. And so we've talked about those every single week. Week one, if you were here, we talked about sola scriptura, that, that scripture alone is what we should base our life and our faith on. That it's not the traditions and culture of man. It's not what the church says you should do or pastors or popes or priests say you should do and how you should live your life. But the way you should live your life is based on what Scripture and Scripture alone says. If it's not in the Word, you don't get to put that on you or anybody else. It's sola Scriptura, Scripture alone. We talked about sola gratia. Sola gratia is grace alone. That that is how you are saved. That it is the grace of God that is a free gift to you that you don't do anything to deserve it. You don't earn it, but it is a gift from God through his grace and mercy to you. We talked about sola fide. Sola fide is faith alone. That you have to put your faith in someone that is outside of you, that you aren't good enough. You're not smart enough and strong enough. You can't pay your debt. You're not good enough. The one we put our faith in, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, is Solus Christus, Christ alone. He's the only mediator. He's the only go-between for us and God. He himself said he was the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can come to God the Father but through him. It's Christ alone. It's not Buddha. It's not Muhammad. It's not you. It's not Tom Cruise. It's not anybody that you want to put in that blank that's going to be your Savior or your Messiah. It is Christ alone alone. He's it. Today we're going to close it out sort of talking about um, the sola that I sort of think summarizes the other four. The first four solas that we just talked about are sort of the the hows of our salvation and our faith. It's like how salvation is applied, how we are redeemed and restored and made right with God. 
Um, the fifth one that we're going to talk about today um, is, is soli deo gloria. Soli deo gloria. And that is the Latin for, for the glory of God alone. And where the first four solo were sort of the, the house of our faith and the house of our salvation, soli deo gloria, in my estimation, is more the why of our salvation. We talk about how we're saved. Today, we're going to spend some time talking about why we are saved. You ever wondered why? Why did God choose to save you and me? Why did that happen? And the answer, we're going to hit, is because it brings him glory. But when you give that answer, then you have to get to this place where you ask that question, okay, well, what does that mean? What is the glory of God? And as I begin trying to put a definition together and you start reading all these guys that are way smarter than me and commentaries and summaries and what you figure out is that defining the glory of God is very, very difficult. John Piper says it this way. He said, defining the glory of God is impossible. Thanks, John. Because it's more like the word beauty than the word basketball. So if you're here and you ask me, like, what's a basketball? It's really easy for me to explain to you that, that a basketball is a round object it's made out of rubber or leather, and you inflate it, you fill it full of air to the point that it will bounce. It's a ball. And then you play a game with it where there is a round hoop. At one point, it was a literal basket that was suspended 10 feet in the air. And the entire purpose of this game that you play is if you have the ball, it is your job to get the ball in the basket. If you don't have the ball, then your entire job is to make sure the person with the ball doesn't get it in the basket. That's basketball. It's easy for me to explain that, and if you had no clue what I was talking about, you would have a pretty good understanding of what that game is. But flip it, and let's talk about beauty. What is beauty? What is beautiful? How would you define beautiful? Now, that's a little different, right? Like, how do I put into words beauty? We have sayings like this, right, that beauty is in the eye of what? Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Like beauty, like I, what's beautiful to you is kind of different than me. And I mean, we all can kind of agree on some things that are beautiful, but what is it? Is it, if we talk about just individuals who are beautiful, right? Like, is it a hair color, right? Like my wife's blonde. So like, is it, is it blonde? Is that like the, no, because there are plenty of people that are beautiful with dark hair. Pastor Ryan's a perfect example right? Yeah, yeah. Right? Is it, is it an eye color? So like, you know, brown eyes are more beautiful than blue eyes? No? Like, is it a certain, like, body size and shape? No, because there's some skinny people that are gorgeous, and there's some not skinny people that are also gorgeous, right? Like, it, I don't know how to, I don't know how to describe it. How can we use a word and we say that the mountains of Colorado are beautiful and in the same sentence say that the beaches of Florida are beautiful when they're the exact opposite of each other. But they're beautiful. We understand it. We see it. So we can't define it, but we can experience it. I can't tell you what beauty is, but I know it when I see it. I know what beauty is. And that's the same thing that we're going to talk about today when we talk about the glory of God. In my futile attempt to define it, I'm going to say it this way, that the glory of God 
is the greatness, beauty, and perfection of all that God is. The English noun, glory, is found 606 times in the English translations of the Bible. 606 times. That means the word glory is a really big deal to God, right? He said it a lot. He wants us to understand what that word means. And so we're going to spend some time talking about it today because just like in our natural world that we understand that our galaxy, that all the stars and all the planets revolve themselves around what we know to be the sun, the same thing is true about the glory of God except that it's everything in the material universe, Everything in the heavens and on the earth, everything in existence revolves itself around the glory of God. The glory of God is the center of everything. It's the answer to everything. It's the purpose. It's God's plan, and it always has been. So we're going to talk today about the glory of God. Now, to try to take this really big idea and make it um, easy to digest, maybe, or easy to sort of explain... I've tried to lay my notes out as simple as possible. When you start studying preaching and teaching, early on you're told that the easiest outline you can go with, if you're a preacher, we call it the three points in a poem, right? I'm making it even more easy than that, and I'm going to cut the poem out, right? I'm going to give you three points today as we, as we talk about what does it mean, soli deo gloria, for the glory of God alone. So if you're a note taker, write this down. We're going to talk about three truths of God's glory today. The first one is this, that God created you for his glory. He created you for his glory. Look at this, Romans chapter 11, verse 36 says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. For to him be glory forever. Amen. See, this sort of gets us down to the the age-old question of what is the meaning of life? If you've lived long enough, experienced enough life, you've probably gotten to a place where you've asked yourself the question, why am I here? Why was I born? What's my purpose on this planet? Maybe you're like me, and I'm 36, so I'm not young, I'm not old, I'm just kind of right in the middle now, you know, and I've experienced enough life, and I've lived enough life that I've seen some people that are very, very close to me, friends that I grew up with. Right, that made a lot of the same decisions I did, went to a lot of the same places, made a lot of the same mistakes. And more than I can count on one hand of my closest friends coming up through high school, they're not here anymore. Addictions and mistakes and accidents have have taken their lives. Two of them have taken their own lives because of depression. and And I see that and I ask myself the question, God, why Did I make it through, and they didn't? Why am I here? Like, why why did you bless me the way you blessed me? Why why did I get freedom, and they couldn't get past it? I I don't understand. What's the meaning of it all? And the answer is soli deo gloria. That it's for the glory of God alone, and for whatever reason, If you're like me and you're still here, then you need to hear today. That means that God is not done with you bringing glory to his name. It's why you were created. It's why you're here. Look at this, Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 7. says, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, 
The one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I love this next part. He says, I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you were precious to me. You were honored and I love you. So do not be afraid for I am with you. I will gather you and your children from east and west and I will say to the north and south, bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. Bring all who claim me as their God for I have made them, why? For my glory. It was I who created them. If you want to know why you're here, if you want to know why you were born, if you've ever asked yourself the question, why am I still here and somebody else isn't? The answer is because you're here to use every opportunity that God's given you to bring glory to him, to magnify. It's another word for glorify, to magnify the name of Jesus. See, in our world today, we know there's There's a couple of things you can use to magnify something. First thing that you can use, the first instrument is what we know of as a microscope. A microscope is an instrument that helps us see really small things. So when you look at it, it it makes things bigger, makes things more plain. So many people think they live their lives and the way they operate and the way they do their business and the way they interact with friends and family and they think somehow that that they're a microscope, that they're going to help make God look bigger. And I got news for you. God doesn't need your help to look bigger. He doesn't need your help at all because he's God and you're not. So we're not called to be microscopes. Because see, the other thing that you can use to magnify something is that of a telescope. And where microscopes are instruments that help us see really small things, Telescopes are instruments that help us see really big things. And the reason you're here, the purpose of your life, the reason God created you is so that you could be a telescope, that you could point every single person that looks at you to the biggest and the best, the greatest and the most glorious, so that when they look at you, what they see is God. It's for his glory. It's why you were created. It's why you were here, to bring glory to God. Second thing, if you're taking notes, write it down. God didn't just create you for his glory. God chose you for his glory. You're chosen. And if you've been in church for long enough, you've probably heard somebody like me make that statement. It's probably not the first time you've heard that. And because we hear it that you're chosen, that it's, it becomes so easy for some of us Christians to sort of like glaze past that. And almost take it for granted, right? God chose you. I'm not asking, you don't have to come up front. You don't have to, there's no like confession where we all like tell each other how jacked up we are. But like I'm a mess, right? I am a broken sinner. Like I know the thoughts that I have. I know what I want to do. I know what I want to say. I know what I say when nobody else is looking. Like I know how messed up I am. 
And I'm okay standing on this stage today telling you how messed up I am. So when I look at my life and I look at my heart and I'm, and I'm going to God, like I have to ask myself, God, why did you choose me? Of all the people, of all the people that could be used to stand on this stage today, like why me? Why would you choose me? And I want you to know that if you're here and you call yourself a Christ follower today, you need to ask yourself the same question. Why me? Why would you choose me? Look at this. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. It says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Get it. Before you ever did anything, before you ever said a word, thought, a thought, before you existed, before your mom and dad existed, before any human being or any living thing that has ever lived did anything, God said he chose you. Before the foundations of the world, he chose you that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. That's Jesus. He chose us. So, like growing up, I don't know that we still do this. Some of the teenagers can help me. Like back in my, like we weren't really that concerned about hurting people's feelings like we are today. But maybe you're like me and at some point in your life, like, for us, the only fair way, when we were on like the playground at recess, right, and like you're getting ready to play kickball or dodgeball or football or whatever, ball, anything you're doing, the only fair way we knew to choose teams was you took the two best players, right, that's how we do it, because everybody knew who the two best players were, right? Now, now we can't say who the two best players are because we're worried about the two worst players feeling bad about themselves, but everybody knows who the two best players are. So what we would do is we would take the two best players and say, you're the what? You're the captains. So you guys are going to be team captains. You two get over there, and everybody else is going to be over here. And if you're like me, you weren't the captain. Some of you were. But if you were like me, you were standing on this side, right, with 10 of your closest buddies, and you know what it felt like to stand there and like, hey, hey right here, choose me. Okay, you know I'm good at this game. You know I'm good. Like, hey, right here. You even knew what team you wanted to be on because you knew which captain was better than the other captain. Just pick me. I want to play. I want to be in the game. Maybe you're here and you, you know what it's like to be the last kid picked. Right? You go on the field and you got an uneven number of players and so it gets down to the last kid and it's like, well, I'll take so-and-so. I'm like, you can have him. Right? We've experienced like, ah, you didn't get picked. You're the leftovers. Maybe you didn't get picked at all. Sorry, man, we got enough. And maybe you've experienced what it felt like to have to walk away from the game, defeated, upset that you didn't get picked. You didn't get to play. Maybe you tried out for the team and you didn't make it. I got good news for you today. God says he chose you. You want to talk about team captains, he's the team captain, 
And it says he chose you. And I think sometimes for us as Christians, it's good for us to be reminded of how small a role we played in our salvation. Like if you're here online in Lawrenceburg, wherever you're at, participate. If you're here and you would call yourself a Christian, I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand. A lot of hands. All right, you put it down. If you raised your hand, then guess what? You did not choose God. You didn't choose him. You didn't find him. He wasn't lost. He chose you. And just in case you don't believe me, look at the words of Jesus himself. John chapter 15, verse 16. Jesus says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. This is the same thing I said, but when I tell you that Jesus said it, now you got to listen to me. You didn't choose him. He chose you. And it says he appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask when you use his name. Do you know why God answers your prayers? If you read scripture, we just sang about the promises of God, right? That they're yes and amen. That we can, that we can lay hold to those truths and know that he's faithful. Scripture tells us that, that in Christ all things are possible, right? For those who are loved and are called by him. That, that we can pray for the sick and what does it say will happen? They'll be healed. Scripture says that in in Christ that we have the power to cast out demons in his name. Whoa. It goes as far as saying all the things that Jesus did while he was here, that you and I, because he went to the Father, that in him we'll do everything that he did and even more than he did. Last I checked, he walked on water, raised the dead, healed the sick. Do you know why God answers your prayers and why he would give you power like that in his name? It's soli deo gloria. It's for the glory of God alone. It's to use you to bring glory to him. Think about it this way. We've talked about of salvation and, and sort of the hows and like how is it applied and we've talked like yes, God like loved you and he saved you and but think about it this way. Why did he have to send Jesus? Why did it have to go down like that way? One of the perks of being God is you get to do what you want. Anything you want. So knowing that, right, that's this big theological concept that's called God's sovereignty. That he is in complete control. He holds all the cards, all the game pieces. He makes all the rules. He gets to do whatever he wants. Why then, in the application of our redemption, why then did he make the decision that the way he was going to do it was he was going to send himself in Jesus to our world to be born, to live a perfect death, to die a brutal death on the cross, only to die, be buried, be raised from the dead to go back where he came from. Why did it have to play out like that when God himself in one sentence said, let there be light, and there was light? You know, he could have just as easily, if he wanted to forgive and redeem us, you know what he could have said? You're forgiven. And you know what would have happened? We all would have been forgiven because he's God. But he didn't do it that way. Do you know why? 
Scripture tells us. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. It says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him, that's Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So a lot of times when we quote that scripture, we stop right there. But what does it say as you keep reading? Why did he do it? To the glory of God the Father. See, he sent Jesus for the same reason that he saved you. So that through him and through you, he could showcase his goodness in and through you. It's all for his glory. It's why you were created. It's why he chose you. And number three, last thing I'm going to say, is that you also need to know that God called you for his glory. He created you for it. He chose you in it. And then he called you to it. Every single person that can hear my voice, whether you're here listening to it live through a camera, or you're going to hear this message in an archive six months from now, Every single person that hears these words come out of my mouth, you need to know you are called by God. You have a job to do. He's given you gifts and talents and abilities. He's given you resources and influence. And he's given you opportunities to use all the things that he's given you. You are called by God and you have a responsibility to use what he's given you. See, it is an oxymoron. There is no such thing as a lazy Christian. Because if you call yourself a Christ follower, that means you follow Jesus. So I have to do what he does and say what he says and go where he goes. And Jesus is not lazy. So if you're lazy, you did not follow him there. What gifts do you have? What abilities? What what opportunities are in front of you? See, I can say this, and if you get mad, it's okay. Pastor Steve will be back next week. But if you're here and you call Faith Church home, like this is where God has put you and planted you. This is where he's going to use you and grow your faith and grow your family. If you're here and you don't serve, I'm sorry, you're wrong. I take it back. I'm not sorry. You're wrong. God gave you those gifts. God gave you those talents. And if you're not using them, you're wrong. If you're not giving of your time and your talents and your resources, guess where those things came from? It wasn't you. The very breath that is in your lungs that allows you to do the job that you do, to earn the paycheck that you earn, to have the knowledge that you have, it all came from him. And if you're not using them for his glory and for his name, you are wrong. If you're not connecting and building relationships with other believers, right, holding each other accountable and growing together, you're wrong. It's not an option for us. If you're not inviting your friends and your coworkers and your family members, if you're not inviting them to church, if you're not telling them about what God's doing here and about the impact he's made in your life and in your family and, and telling them, man, God, you should come, you should see God can do the same thing in your life. If you're not doing that, you're wrong. And it's not about trying to get people to a church so that we can have big numbers, so that they can hear a man who is a pastor. As incredible as he is, it has nothing to do with the name on the sign. 
But it has everything to do with the God that we worship. And it's all about his glory. It's not ours. We are here to crowd heaven, to proclaim the goodness and majesty, to magnify him in everything that we do. It is solely Deo Gloria. It is all for the glory of God alone. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to pray about serving or giving or connecting. You don't have to pray about inviting because God's already told you you should do that. But here's what you should pray for. Pray about it. And I have to ask myself this question all the time. It's not whether I should do those things. The thing I have to question myself on is what is my motivation for doing those things? Why, why am I up here preaching a message? If you've got the ability to sing like Natalie or Josh or play an instrument or love kids and pour into to young adults or whatever the case may be, like why do you do the things you do? You want to be insta-famous? Why? You take your selfies in the church parking lot and post all on social media. All, why do you do it? Listen, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with fame and notoriety. Where it becomes wrong is what's your motivation for it. Look at what Scripture says. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. See, here's the problem. We're okay giving God glory as long as we get to keep a little bit for ourselves. And nobody likes a glory hog. That person that always needs the accolades, that always, I need you to see how good I am and how smart I am, how well-spoken I am. I want you to see how many followers I've got and how many likes I had and how many that's a great message preachers I got. What's the motivation? What's the heart behind it? And listen, don't hear me saying something I'm not. It's okay to shine. You need to shine. When I talk about like our worship team up here, you just got to experience worship. This isn't me blowing smoke or even being biased. I think we have one of the most incredibly gifted and talented teams of musicians and vocalists in this entire country. I really do. If you can sing like Josh or Natalie, if you can play a guitar like James or David, if you can play bass like Caitlin, then you need to do it. And don't worry about people looking at you. Well, look, he's just thinks he's good. He thinks he's, no, 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 no. It's okay to shine. It's okay to let the light go out. But when the credit comes and the glory begins to come your way, you make sure that Jesus is the one standing in the spotlight of your life, not you. That's what scripture tells us. Look, Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds. Let them see how good you are and how gifted you are. You're bragging on the one that gave you the gift. Let your light shine, but when it does, and they see those good deeds, may it glorify your Father in heaven. When the glory comes, do not find yourself trying to grab it for yourself. Because when you try to take some of the glory, 
When you try to take some of the credit, what you do is you set yourself up as an opponent to God. You make yourself his rival, and he has no rivals. So when you start trying to take some of the glory that is his and not yours, do you know what he does to opponents? He humbles them. When it becomes about you and not him, he will humble you. When pride makes its way in, and it's so easy to do. I've seen some of the greatest men I've ever known. I've seen pastors and preachers and leaders doing great things, and all of a sudden pride gets in, and they just want a little bit of it. And it's the same thing that got Satan kicked out of heaven. He was the most gifted, talented, beautiful angel there was, and there came a point where he said, I want some of that glory. I'm good. I want them to, I want them to glorify me. So I'm going to make myself bigger than God. And God says, no, no. Soli Deo Gloria. It is for my glory alone. That's why scripture over and over again tells us, John 3.30, he says that he must increase, but I must decrease. It's for his glory. It's not yours. It's because he's good. It's not because you are. If you don't hear anything else I say, if you don't remember anything from this series, remember this, you are saved because of God's godness, not your goodness. It's for his glory. It's always been about him and it's never been about you. Don't make it about you. But live your life in a way that you use every gift and every ability and every resource and every opportunity that comes your way to point people to him. Let it be about him and he'll give you the life you never thought possible. So I'm not going to ask anybody to bow their heads today. I'm not going to ask anybody to close their eyes. But in boldness, I'm just curious whether you're here live in Florence or through that camera right there. If you're here and you're honest enough to say, you know what, I need to do a better job of using what God has given me to bring glory to his name, I want you to raise your hand. And I am raising my hand. God, I pray for every single hand that's in this room, every single person that's represented, God, that you would use the influence that comes from you, the resources that come from you, the talent and the abilities, the heart, the passions, whatever they may be. God, I pray that you would continue to give us the faith and strength, God, to know and be secure in the fact that it's not our glory. It is all for your glory, that you save us to bring glory to your name, that you call us and gift us and equip us so that through us you can change the world, so that people can experience the only person that can give them true life and true happiness and true joy, true fulfillment, and that's you, God. Use this church, God. Use us as a people to bring glory to your name, God. And your word tells us that when you are lifted up, you will draw all men unto you. God, we make a big deal about you today, Jesus, the name that is above every name. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Guys, thank you so much. Please remember on your way out, listen, it's not an option. God wants to use you this week. Grab some of these cards, invite your friends and family, get them here and watch what he does in their life to make an impact for his kingdom. Love you guys. We'll see you next week.